Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Hey team, welcome to the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast. This is episode 20, which is pretty exciting. Nice benchmark for us. Um, we are joined today by James and Stu. So Stu is returning for his second podcast after the roaring success of the first. Nice to have you back, Stu. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. Pleasure. James, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> Hi, I'm here again. <laughs> E.T. is protein porridge, which is that's an apology. Um, so today, guys, we are going to be talking about men's mental health. Something that we've been keen to talk about for a little while. Um, obviously, with lockdown, it's probably super relevant. It's obviously a huge topic, um, and we are going to be talking about it purely, really, from a personal experience perspective. So um, James and Stu are going to be doing most of the talking. Um, but we're going to try and cover off um, kind of the main main areas, I guess, in terms of who, what, when, where and why. So we know it's a little bit of a taboo. I say a little bit, it's a huge taboo at the minute. And it's something that we obviously want to actively contribute towards changing and looking at personal experience, coping mechanisms, things which are productive, things which can be less productive in terms of um, coping and recovering. So um, guys, I'm gonna hand this over to you, um, obviously with it being a huge topic. Um, Stu, I'm going to pick on you first, mate. Where do you see the state of men's mental health in 2021? Good question. Um, I think it's definitely getting better as something that's talked about, something that is a thing. Um, for, for instance, when I was at school, um, it, I don't think it, they'd invented it, but obviously I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek but I don't think it was talked about or known about or um, maybe not, maybe not even for women at the time then. Um, I think it's, it's definitely in people's minds now because it's on the internet. People talk about it. There's uh, resources available for help and that, but as is probably the point of our podcast, it's still not where it should be. I think, I'd like to see it on par with women's mental health. I'd like to see that it's talked about a lot more because it's, it's, it's important. It's, um, it's definitely something that affects a lot more people than we think. Absolutely. James, what are your, where's your, what's your angle? How you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I align with Stu quite heavily in that it's not anything, if I think back to my years at school and my years at, even at university, which are probably a little bit further away than I sometimes think that they are when I, when I actually think how long ago that was, there, there wasn't really any talk about mental health, there, there wasn't any, there definitely wasn't a spotlight on it, that people definitely didn't feel as as kind of comfortable and, and ready to come forward and to to use the I think the phrase that we've probably seen quite a lot to kind of say I'm not okay yeah yeah 
and I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know enough about why that might be in terms of being able to speak from actual fact, you know, whether or not there was, you know, the support that we've got now wasn't there or whether it was a confidence or a comfort thing or whether it was just a, a medical and, and kind of almost evolutionary understanding almost. But it, it definitely wasn't commonplace when I was a little bit younger. And I think I think people will have different perspectives of where it's at because of the being, and I don't want it to sound kind of cheesy or corny, but being a part of Valesco and the environment that we've got and working for the company I work for in my day-to-day, actually I'm around a really positive environment for mental health, kind of men, women, um, you know, inclusion, diversity is a massive um, a massive piece and, and ever growing. And I think there's a lot more people, I think the, the, the success at the moment is there's a lot more people willing to say, I don't understand it, or I don't know what I can do to help, or I don't know how to be in an environment that the world would see as positive for men's mental health or for inclusion and, and diversity. I think there's a lot more people willing to be vulnerable about it. And I think that's, I think that's where we're at. I think there's still a long way to go, but I, you know, I, I think we're moving towards a better and better place year after year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously I've had some really interesting conversations with with members at the gym, and and actually, if reflecting on it, the majority of people who either offer up conversation about it or who when I ask how they are and more inclined to talk about mental health is is definitely heavily weighted with women and, and I don't know whether I guess some of that is to do with the fact that I'm I'm female as well so maybe they feel like they can they can relate more easily but I have had a couple of really interesting conversations with um a couple of members at the gym um and James, you say definitely there they there seems to be for the people that have kind of reached the stage where they've reached out and been vulnerable they then feel less vulnerable in talking about it um but it's certainly that with both the people i've spoken to it's certainly this whole there's a real stigma attached still to men talking about how they feel men crying, men saying that they're feeling anxious about something or worried about something or that they have um body issues or, or a whole host of things. Um, so I guess, I mean, where, where, where's that taboo come from? Where do we think that taboo has come from? And, and how, how, can, how can we help move from a place of it still being relatively to, taboo to it being as commonplace as talking about having a stomach bug or having a cold? I think, um... <clears throat> I, I don't know I, I think it dates back to to years ago maybe like maybe in years gone by when it was the sexist thought that the man you know goes out finds meat like hunter gatherer sort of stuff and the woman stays at home and looks after the children I mean that is not where we are now but maybe it dates back to that I don't know possibly um what was your other question Ali what was the other bit 
just about how how we if if the, oh, how we raise awareness. Yeah, how we raise awareness. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's it's an e. I think it probably dates back all the way back to it being evolutionary. But certainly, looking back at more recent history, um, I mean, sexism is unfortunately still fairly prevalent in in some some countries, some areas of business more than others. But I think it probably stems it stems from that, in that men are the the stronger ones and women are the fairer sex and, and all the sorts of things that that kind of go along with that. Um, but we're all human. We're all sexual beings. We all have emotions. We all we all feel the same things just in varying degrees, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if 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 the reasons that it's a taboo are. Are based on that, then how do we. How, how do we create an environment where men feel like they don't have to be, in inverted commas, the strong ones and it's only women that cry? How do we, how, how do we move towards that? So I think, sorry, James, if I, I'll just go again, if you don't mind, mate, you eat your porridge. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's like there is, people are raising awareness now and that is a, that is a good thing. Like as James mentioned earlier on, the that it's okay to be not okay or that's like that's a movement now and that's a thing and there are things like at my work we've had like mental health awareness weeks mental health awareness awareness months and we then there's like there's celebrities who talk about it and i think it's uh unless unless you live in a cupboard you're aware of it now you're aware that it's a it's a thing and it's and it whether you think it's okay to talk about or not it's there and i think it's a, it's a good start like but that's not to say that it needs to come a lot further forward absolutely james yeah. what's what do your what do the company other than valesco that you work for what what are they they're, i mean they're a fairly forward thinking company so what are the sorts of things that they're doing to to kind of break down barriers at the moment there's loads I think Stu's right in that it, you know, it it will come, it will stem from a place of societal and you know evolutionary like gender norms and stereotype. And I think the more it's talked about and the more it's brought to the forefront, the the better it will get. Because I I think if you're the type of person that's less, think about think about the the age brackets of people. And as, as we kind of move year on year, how that age bracket shifts slightly, we're talking about it not being as commonplace, you know, years and years and years ago. I think if you're the sort of person that doesn't necessarily emote yourself, um, you know, maybe you're, you're quite kept to yourself. You don't feel like you can kind of say that you're not okay. You know, you don't kind of share maybe as openly as you could. I think that probably also means you're less and, and, no facts but I would make the assumption that you're probably less likely to spot the signs of somebody that isn't okay and you know if you're less prepared to be vulnerable yourself I think it will probably give you a slightly biased filter to um, how you see other people and, and how you view the way other people behave and, and are I think I think a lot of the points on today will come back to this same thing um, but one of the things that you know that that the company I work for do quite quite well is is talk about things, draw attention to things, put a spotlight on things, and constantly ask 
the question like what more can we be doing and you can take that personally individually you can take it you know for, for you Layla and Amy you could take it from a a, a a corporate business owner standpoint I could take it as a as a son if I think about all the relationships that I have you know I'm a son I'm a brother I'm a friend I'm a partner I'm an employee I'm a coach that question will probably present a whole array of different answers based upon every relationship that I challenge. You know, what more could I do to support mental health as a brother? And how would that look? How would it look as a son? How would it look as a, as a friend? Um, and then understanding the things I can do and actually acting upon it. I think there's a lot of people that know what they can do and know what they should do and know how they can make it an impact and find it difficult to to then act upon that and that might be for an array of reasons it might be because of because of you know how busy they feel they are or how you know kind of time constrained or, or because they don't know what how to act on the things they feel they should act on and that that's the vulnerability piece for me you know if you're the sort of person that knows okay i know i can make a difference in some way but I don't really know how that actually looks. Feel, being okay to, to, to say that as well and to, to be vulnerable enough to say, I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough, but I don't know how to do a little bit more. And there's, there's loads and loads of, of companies and charities and, and outlets now where however you view mental health, male, female, you know, beyond, et cetera, um, that will be happy to have a conversation regardless of your perspective. You know, you don't have to be suffering from mental health issues to contact a mental health helpline. They're not gonna turn you away if you contacted them and went, look, I feel like I could be doing more. What does that look like for me? How can I, how can I contribute? You know, there's outside of the, the, the charitable and financial giving to, to charities that support mental health, you know, being a, fostering an environment that makes it less weird when somebody asks you how are you doing like a second time and and some of you will know what I mean by that but and and some of you won't but the 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 premise is you know when the amount of times you see somebody passing in work or passing outside of work or you drop someone a text like hey mate how's it going they're like yeah yeah really good how are you yeah I'm really good how's it really going and, and that, that, I think reverse, you know, re reverse 10 years, that might have been weird. Like I, 10 years ago, when I knew what I knew, I'd have found that really weird. You know, like, well, mm. yeah, like, yeah. Go, go yeah. I just told you, like, what do you want? But now, yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'll call Steve out as a bit of, kind of spot recognition he does a really really good job of this and it makes it really easy for me to return the favor and also kind of I guess do the same thing back you know he, he will randomly FaceTime out of the blue on a Thursday evening just to have a chat and like the only people that I randomly FaceTime out of the blue are my mum or my dad depending on if mum's phone's in the kitchen and someone at work when I need something probably is, is that 
category in full. And even now, like when, you know, when Steve FaceTimes, he's just like, hey, just thought I'd check in, see what you're up to, see how your last few days have been. It, it's That's still, nice. oh yeah, like cool. this is, this is, this, this, this is how it should be, but it still feels a bit abnormal because it's not commonplace. Um, so yeah, I kind of answered the question that you asked me in and amongst that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I mean, it is, it's such, it's such a huge topic. Um, Stu, I'm, I'm going to pick on you. Uh, okay. And the reason, the reason being is I recall a conversation that you and I had quite a long time ago, probably when we first started doing podcasts and you, you know, you'd expressed an interest of coming to have a chat with us and a couple of topics. And when I suggested one of the topics was going to be men's mental health, it was something that you and I then had a, a fairly in-depth conversation about, as in-depth as it gets while you're benching or deadlifting in the gym. <laughs> yeah. And you were good enough to say that you would be happy to share some of your own experiences. So I guess it's opening up that conversation of you're prepared to be a little bit vulnerable. Um, and just kind of share with us a little bit of your own personal experiences on men's mental health and what that looked like for you um, okay. and kind of your journey from where you were to where you are now and, and, and kind, of, kind of looking into the future as well. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, happy to share. So I, th I wrote an article for the, um, the newsletter back in lockdown one, actually, about... You did. Um, so I'll probably bring parts of that in but um as i said um <clears throat> at the start of this podcast like when i was at school when i was younger it wasn't a thing it was it you know no no one talked about men's mental health no one talked about mental health so i am um, i now know that in my teenage years moving around a lot because of my dad's job <clears throat> i suffered with with um, mental health but i didn't know at the time <clears throat> and um this carried on because as i said no one talks about it i didn't know this carried on for for years and then it sort of hit a peak in my 20s um <clears throat> and i uh, it got to the point where i had to go and seek help so i went to my gp and i was it was like it'd been going on for so long and it was so bad that i didn't really know what to tell him i was i was like sat in the waiting room sweating panicking didn't know what to do Anyway, because of how I'd been not brought up, but how because it wasn't a, a thing that people spoke about, I um I didn't think it was a real illness. So I'm talking about uh, anxiety and depression specifically. Um, I know it's like a general podcast, but this is what this is me, my personal experience. So I didn't think I thought if someone was depressed, I'd be like, oh, you know, go on, chin up, cheer up, mate. What's wrong with you? You know, snap out of it. And I sort of adopted that same um, that same approach for myself. I was like, you know, it's not a thing, you know, just, you know, I don't know, smile, you know, it will be fine. Everything will be fine. But that's not, it, it's an illness. It's a proper illness. And like, if you're, if you've got a virus or a cold, I mean, okay, cold's probably a bad example because you feel sorry for yourself, especially with man flu. But <laughs> Um, it's still it's still something that you you, you don't um, you don't deserve to get and it's an illness so um, I think 
like without going into too much detail like i had a, had a bad few years and um and i came out the other side but one thing i wanted to touch on in this is that the overwhelming feeling and thoughts on the topic i have now is that the whole time even when i was better i felt guilty i felt guilty for um for feeling for for being ill like I felt guilty that I felt that way because I was like, my life's not that bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel, I shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, I've got a good life. I've got, not, I've got good parents, got a good home life. I'm, I go to school. I, you know, do sports to stuff. And I think that's that's the overwhelming thing for me is that I felt guilty for being ill, and you can't, and that's wrong. And I think that's the main thing I'd like to bring across on this podcast is that it's okay to not be okay. And it's not a choice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Stu. I mean, I, I massively appreciate you you sharing as much detail as that. Can I? There's there's two parts to this question, but the first one, how what was the what was the catalyst for you in your twenties that that despite the fact that it wasn't really something that was talked about, despite the fact that men in particular suffering with with poor mental health, anxiety, depression. Um, and, and, a, and a range of other things what was the catalyst for you of saying okay I know I need to go and get help or finding the strength to be able to make yourself go and sit in that waiting room sweaty palms and then go and talk to a doctor about it can you remember um I, I think it just it just got to the point where um I had to do something because, like, as I said, I've been living with this for, for, for quite a few years, you know, on and off, not always severe. But it got to the point, and I think, like, I, I remember, actually. So at the, at the time, I was, I was living in Guildford, working at a gym, and I was living with my grandparents. And um, I finished work one night, locked up the gym about 10 o'clock at night, and I got in my car. And I was just, like, I was sort of desperately unhappy, and I was like, I, I need to do something about this. So I called up my mum. And um, and I just started crying, and she's like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "I don't know." And uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and she said, "You need to go see a doctor." So I I sorted myself out, went home, and as I said, I was living with my grandparents at the time, and, and bless my grandma, she was quite a fusser. So I woke up in the morning, and I went down. I was like, "Grandma, I need to see a doctor." She's like, "Oh, what's wrong?" I was like. I didn't take any nonsense. I like stop fussing. Just, just give me the number. Let's get this done. Um, and yeah, so I did, and that was it. And then that was the start. But it was just yeah. Well, like I don't think anything in particular kicked it off. It just sort of built and built. And I think um, what we might have touched on earlier. It was just years and years of not talking about things just like bottling everything up and I like I'm less so now but I was shy and, and timid and scared of everything and I think it was yeah it just it just came to a head and I had to get some help and uh yeah that was it I remember it vividly I think I probably always will but um yeah yeah thank you Stu I mean I, it's obviously still a, an emotive topic for, for you to talk about um the thing that stands out for me in that 
in terms of you reaching out for help was you re you reached out for help almost before you realized you'd reached out for help because you picked up the phone and spoke to somebody you said something to somebody who cares about you which was was your mum and said I don't know what's wrong and so for you that was that was enough of a that was it, that that in itself was a brave step to take to say I don't feel right and I don't know what it is but I'm going to tell somebody and I think that that that's that's got to be a huge part of it right it just takes that one time to say to somebody i don't feel right what do i do and i think that's possibly where a lot of men still struggle is that they don't necessarily feel like they have that one person or they feel brave enough to just say to somebody i don't feel right i don't feel like myself i don't feel like i i can find a happy place i don't feel like i'm mentally present when I'm doing things I worry about things and I think even for me listening to that that's a big takeaway for me is just saying just speak to somebody and get mm. the rolling if you're not if you're not in a good place that's it absolutely yeah do do something yeah talk to talk to anyone just yeah, yeah just do something and, and I think as well like in days gone by it was probably a worry for people to talk to someone because they're like what are you talking about i don't know what you mean whereas now as as james is saying like people are more receptive to it people are more aware people people are more accommodating and i think that 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 definitely helps absolutely absolutely um and and zooming forward the the the, the thing around guilt i i find it fascinating and i i've talked to I've talked to a few people and actually this is something that's come about quite a lot in lockdown for me talking to members and you know members of my family and and just saying that generally mental health is has is suffering a bit at the minute and for for different people in varying degrees but people are feeling bad for feeling bad because they have a roof over their heads they still have their jobs they're still talking to their friends on zoom you know they're still able to go outside and exercise and get some fresh air they've got a dog whatever it might be on the whole most of the people that I talk to are in a in a fortunate position in their lives even in the middle of a pandemic and they're very aware of that but that mm. almost compounds this feeling of anxiety and depression because they start beating themselves up and saying well my life's not that bad compared to a lot of people with everything that's going on at the moment I am in a relatively good place I'm in a relatively secure healthy safe you know environment why do i feel so bad yeah so how with that in mind how and and you may not have completely but how did you start to allow yourself to not feel guilty what were the conversations that you had with yourself that led to a point of you feeling less guilty about being unwell it took a long time to be honest with you i think it's probably only only probably in the last couple of years when I've come to terms with what happened, I've come through it and I, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a great place now. I think it, yeah, I think it took a long time because, because obviously I got help and did various things, but no one, at no point did anyone tell me don't feel guilty. So yeah, like, I don't know. It probably, I'd say probably only in the last few years have I, I don't know, got closure on the topic and realised it wasn't my fault and it was okay to be feeling like that. 
um yeah which it sounds terrible but if someone had told me don't worry you're all right it's 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 okay then i don't know things might have been very different but yeah um yeah it's weird it's a, yeah it's um i think yeah you're right and, and again it, it, it all sounds a lot of the things which help they sound really simple on the surface right so the first the only you know reach out and talk to somebody if you're not feeling great and don't feel bad about it and that and that and you know that's they're two really significant things that you've that you've said in the, in the lot sort of the last 20 minutes but and they sound very simple on the surface but actually they are from talking to you it sounds like they're they're, they're integral parts of starting to feel better mm, yeah. um, what would what would what would you what would you say to because i know that we've got members who are gonna identify with this hugely and not and not just men i mean that the beauty of this is it we're talking specifically about men's mental health because it is a bit more of a taboo subject but this is obviously there's loads of crossover because ultimately mental health is mental health and <clears throat> you know we all experience it um in varying degrees from wellness to being very unwell regardless of of gender what would i'm gonna put you on the spot here and then i'm gonna ask james the same question because i think i find it really interesting but what would be your advice to people at the moment who are feeling down anxious depressed and from both a what would your advice be on a on a mental level in terms of how to start thinking about things, but also on a physical level, things that might benefit people or that benefited you. I mean, I know we talked about exercise being a significant part of, of your mental health being better. Um, but yeah, what would, you, what would your advice be to, to people? People who, are, who might be struggling at the moment? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nothing that hasn't been said, like talk to someone. So for instance, right now, especially in the lockdown situation we're in, I'm sure a lot of people are having the same thoughts and feeling the same way. So if you've got, I don't know, like, like I, I, I call my mum, like you could speak, just, just call up your mate and go, look, you know, I don't know. I, everything's a bit rubbish at the moment what do you think and they might go yeah i think so too i think that's the first thing that's a, my first piece of advice would always be mention it to someone there's a strong chance that someone is feeling the same way you are especially given the current circumstances um sorry what was the other bit what are the things that you find therapeutic even now um, on, a, on a more physical level that, that you find help you, that help your head feel better? So, uh, I, I take my mental health really seriously, obviously, because as you can tell, it's affected me. So I do like, I do daily stuff that I know is going to help me. So like I, I um, and I, I sent you this the other week, Ellie, I, I use this app called Insight Timer. It's like a, 
an online or an app that's a, a library of thousands and thousands of meditation things. And it, I mean, it's, it's like Headspace, Headspace equivalent sort of thing, which I've used in the past. And yeah. I make sure that I take a bit of time out of my day. At the moment, it's normally I'll get into bed at night and I'll listen to like 10, 15 minutes of something. But when I use Headspace, years gone by, I, I do it on lunch. I do it in the mornings. I just make sure that I have a sit down and take a bit of time for myself. Because especially like we all came on this podcast saying how busy we've been, especially when you're busy, like two minutes out of your day, no matter how busy you are, you can do that. You can sit down and, and, and look after yourself. And on top of that, I mean, um, when I was younger, which probably didn't help the situation I was in, I didn't, I didn't really look after myself at all. Like I drink a lot. I do other things like I didn't sleep enough. Um, and tiredness is a big thing. Like I, I said this to, um, to Lexi not long ago. I was like, everything's rubbish when you're tired. And she goes, yeah, that's normal. That's why you should sleep. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not groundbreaking, but it's true. So yeah, like yeah. I, I do lots of little things on a daily basis that look after me, including exercise, meditation, um, uh, try and get as much sleep as I can. I'm rubbish about, I'm rubbish at sleeping, but it's it's getting better. Just, yeah, there's lots of little things you can do because as I, as I, I said to you before, like, mental health is arguably more important than physical health because if you've got a physical if you've got a capable body or physical health but nothing up here then it's useless yeah absolutely absolutely um you you just made a really interesting point there and it's one that i think we we as a society i think rather than than a collective we of us or or at the gym but that that mental health is arguably more important than physical health and certainly on a par regard you know even if they're not weighted in one direction mental health is something which is is equally as important as physical health um and because it has historically been such a taboo subject I think it's still the sort of thing that people don't talk about in the same way because you know you you know how are you feeling oh a bit under the weather I've got a cold oh you know a bit actually not not great like I'm feeling quite anxious at the moment people just don't Put it out there in the same way they do talk about their physical health so um so that's that's a really really interesting point you made there and i i agree completely and i think it's one of the things that having spoken to lots of members particularly in the last 12 months is that you know yes on a surface level people miss throwing a barbell around they miss you know having a rig that they can do pull-ups on they miss having different weighted kettlebells and warbles and various equipment to do stuff with. But actually what they miss is all is the, is the, is the mental health stuff. It's the stuff about being in a place where they see their friends. It's about being in a place and an environment where they feel safe, an environment mm. where they feel that they can talk to people if they want to um, an environment, which on leaving, they feel better than when they came in. Um, and that's always been something that's been it's been super important to us and it's been it's been a really it's been it's been great to hear because it it's you know it's heartwarming for us and it, it it's important that people feel like that about the gym but it's also what makes this so hard because we want to be able to reach out and help people on that level 
And at the moment, you know, we're, we're doing what we can, but it's very difficult to replicate the things that people get the mental health benefits from about actually physically being in the gym. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like mental health is, is as important as physical health. And I think it's acceptable now to say, if someone says, why do you go to the gym and you go for my mental health, people will be like, yeah, yeah, me too, sort of thing, which wouldn't yeah, have, which some, if you'd have said that going back, people would have laughed at you. <laughs> probably do you know what, name. you're right. And I think that's probably changed in the last five years since even we started opening, because I think people even now on reflection are more, are far more open about saying I come here because it keeps my head in a good space rather mm. than, I want to do this sort of fitness because I want to look like, I don't know, Camille LeBlanc Basnet or, or whoever, um, or, or Matt Fraser or any of those people. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's also a really good point. James, what's your, where are you? You're somebody, I'm going to put it on the spot here as well. You're somebody who comes, you always, seem very together very calm very measured very everything is appears to be very well thought out like I don't think I have ever seen you have a oh fuck moment because you've like panicked about something or you've forgotten something or like you've been caught out I, like I, you just don't I mean I like that is that is purely it's partly because I know you fairly well but also I've never actually asked you this question do you do you have moments of of feeling less together mentally? And then if you do, how do you then come back to this place of total calm? <laughs> if it's total calm and not just a facade, of course. Yeah. Um, this this will be the first episode that we have to push the old explicit button on, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I do, and and one of the things. One of the things I wanted to touch on is that I, I will kind of come back around and answer the question a bit more directly. Um, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, like we, we talk a lot, especially on here about reframing things, positive mindset, how to take something that's a bit crap and make it, make it sound less crap and, and kind of faking it. So you make it, you know, when I'm not feeling motivated to train, I get to go out there and, and be cold while I throw around a barbell it's important that that doesn't override you also feeling comfortable enough to say when you're not okay and you want to talk to someone. Because if you just try to reframe everything in your life and, and you know, make a real tough situation sound great and carry on battling through it, there are times when actually the, the right thing to do isn't to necessarily battle on through trying to make everybody think that you're okay because masking it doesn't mean it goes away and I think you know when, when I knew we were going to do a podcast on mental health naturally I just kind of had a look online to see if there was any kind of actual stats as to where things are and you know this, the second largest in a, in a couple of different places the second largest reason men don't talk about mental health in, in a lot of the surveys was because they didn't feel like they don't want to burden other people um, and that kind of yeah. touches on Stu's point quite a lot, you know, not feeling embarrassed and, and not feeling uncomfortable to, I guess, trusting that it's not going to burden somebody else. <clears throat> um, I, 
uh, there's there's stuff that I do. So like some of it will be like stuff that you hear all the time and, and maybe do quite a good job of or not such a good job of. Like having a routine, um, having little things in your day, you know, making sure you go out for a walk or like, exercise is obviously a massive one for me. That keeps me super leveled. I'm naturally fairly relaxed in the way I view things the way that my you know the way I reframe stuff if I'm having a tough day like I, I sent a me- I sent a message to, to Stephen Carr the other night like I uncharacteristically the other night when I was training kind of borderline lost my temper a little bit but and, and I was quite proud of the fact that I, I use the t- I, I say borderline because I was quite proud of the fact that I literally just paused for a sec took a big breath kind of asked myself what was going to come of me you know getting overly emotional about something that ultimately didn't matter and that this time tomorrow I will have completely forgotten about and kind of gathered myself and and just re repositioned that moment in my day and and that just automatically changed my outlook on it so I, I do do that quite a lot and I know you know, some people find that more difficult than, than others. Um, I think the people I'm surrounded by play a large part in, in my life. So the amount that I exercise, I do that, uh, you know, I, all the work I do on any given day, some days that can feel real tough, but it's, it's work I enjoy doing. Ultimately, if I take a step back on a good day and, and assess where I spend my time, it's in great places with great people. And you are you know, you are the, you've probably heard that thing online, like you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. If you surround yourself with people that are prepared to ask you if you're okay, prepared to listen to you, see things the same as you do, you ultimately view things kind of positively. Like if you surround yourself with a group of people that are constantly <clears throat> frustrated about work and constantly, you know, bringing light to things like, how crap the weather is and, and things like that. You're you're going to be around people all the time that you're, you know, like that d- almost drain your energy a little bit. And there's that point I made earlier around if you're prepared to be vulnerable, actually, you'll probably find that that's reciprocated by other people as well. So the people that I surround myself by, people might be listening to this now and thinking, well, I'm surrounded by good people, but I, I still don't feel great. And, and, getting to know the people that you're surrounded by regularly as well I think is super important because everybody will respond to things in a different way everybody will need a different level of support in different circumstances so if I'm surrounded by a group of people that I know really really well that know me really really well I've already got a network that I feel super comfortable existing within that I know I can rely on that I know I've got my back and they would hopefully feel the same about me. Um, and I think if you can, if, if I said to anybody, and, and this might be a little thought exercise for people, if you think about, you know, a cross section of people, three, four, five people that you spend the largest proportion of your week around, and that might change, it might be different in lockdown versus when you're back in work. And imagine walking up to them and saying, hey, I'm not okay. You're, you're going to get like what a what's the worst response you're going to get you're either going to get a okay cool we'll do something about it 
and in which case as ruthless as it might sound question the value that that person has in your life or you're going to get a, or another I, I don't do this but another thing that you, when you were asking Stu you know some of the things that you would suggest to people having somebody to hold you account as well I guess if you've got those trusted people and somebody that you've got that you know is willing to listen having almost saying to that person hey look do you mind can we make it a bit of a regular thing that once a week you just kind of drop me a message and see how I'm doing just check in on me might we might not need a conversation but <coughs> if it's something that's happening once a week and you've got like a bit of an accountability buddy it's, it's another thing that's probably quite easy to put in place that you don't really have to give a second thought to once the system to support has been set up but ha there is that ongoing narrative for you that you've created and you might not need it now but one day that one person might go hey mate how are things this week thought i'd say hi and that be the day that you really need it so i'm i'm quite level anyway just because of the way that i view things and the i guess borderline annoying approach and i have to things um training's a, a huge one the lifestyle that i exist within is one that i feel fulfilled by and i feel you know i i could i could write a list straight off the bat of 10 20 people that i know are fitter than me that are more muscular than me that earn more money than me that have a nicer car than me that live in a nicer house than me and i think those are all things that it's very easy to put pressure on yourself about and i think that you know social media is, is a large part to play in that um but i i don't and, and i don't get me wrong i did i really did used to but right now i don't care um as long as like for me the biggest filter is like how happy am i getting up every morning is there anything what do i you know what right now what would i change and in, in all honesty there's not a huge amount so yeah that's where that's where it comes from for some people it, you know i joke about it but for some people it is like borderline and not annoying how like level and measured i am but yeah there's there's some of that <laughs> is relevant to me and some of it is is stuff that i've seen be relevant to others um but yeah and, and you know little little things as well like stuff we've spoken about before like i'm quite purposeful even more so recently with my Instagram and with you know where I spend my time the people I spend my time with the the views that I absorb the views that I disregard I don't you know I don't let things bother me too much so yeah that's that's kind of where I'm at awesome just touching on something you just said towards the end of of all of that is that you said you used to care about let's call them social pressures car, house, money, all that sort of stuff. And you said you used to care about it and now you don't, which personally I think is a really healthy approach as well to not care what other people are doing in their lives if you're happy with yours. But how did you, how did you stop caring? How did you stop wanting to earn more money because someone on Instagram drove a nicer car than you and all that sort of stuff? Was there something specific that you started doing or is it did it happen over a period of time there's nothing there's nothing super specific um I, well there, there is i changed my filter that that took a while um 
like for years, I, I wanted to be like the biggest and strongest of all my friends. And, you know, when friends got nicer cars, I was like, all oh, right, okay. You know, my car doesn't feel as good anymore. I want a faster car. I want a more expensive car. You know, I want an expensive watch. I want status. And, and it's, it's natural, I think, for most people. Like some, some people it's not. Some people will hear that and be like, well, I've never, I've never had that view whatsoever. Every, every time, it's the classic, isn't it? Every time you set a goal or every time you decide you want something or you do something and you get it, it doesn't fulfill you. You're not happy about that. You just move on to the next thing. And somebody, somebody said, like, if you're not happy with a cup of coffee, you won't be happy with a Lamborghini. And it puts things into perspective. And, and ultimately, the decisions I make, I, you know, I've had opportunities recently to change um, different things to do with, with work and, and income and stuff like that. And I have, have chosen the route that makes for better quality of life. Like I could, you know, not to kind of use this flippantly, but literally I, this afternoon I could you know, take the dog out and step out in front of traffic. And if I have been constantly chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, and that's kind of the end of the, at the end of the, the, the story, I might as well just enjoy, like my, my view is, I might as well just enjoy things. Like if I've got a bit of money, enjoy using it. If I've got a bit of time, enjoy using it. If, I've, if I'm going to go to work, enjoy being there because there's no point in stressing about what's going to happen tomorrow because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in five minutes. So I might as well not worry about it. You know, let come what may when it arrives, take it as it is and just do what I can now to add some value to somebody else or to myself and just enjoy things. Um, which, you know, that was a long filter to, to, to change. Where did the filter come from? Cause you, you and I talk about this filter quite a lot. And I, I smiled when you said borderline annoying. Cause I think I might've actually been one of the people who a lot of the time when you and I talk about reframing, I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then occasionally I just want to say, I don't want to reframe right now. Stop trying to make me see this in a positive way because I want to have a tantrum about it or I want to feel miserable about it or actually this is a reoccurring thing so I know it's now actually not just something that I'm being sulky about or hormonal about or whatever it might be. This is actually a significant thing going on for me and I need to not try and put this filter on it. Um, but having said that, on the whole when you and I have had these conversations, actually, it, it does help. And it actually, what it does is it helps me work out the difference between, okay, so yeah, I really don't want to go for a run because it's freezing cold, but I'm lucky that I get to train or I don't want to throw a kettlebell around on the balcony, but I get to train rather than being like, I can't be asked to do it. And, and, you know, and, and that kind of filters through into all sorts of other things like in with work and various other things and, and ultimately what that leads to is a lot more gratitude, I feel, for the things that I still get to do. But what it also does is the things that I can't put a filter on and change, they highlight for me that those are the things that are not just things that you can reframe, they're things that have to be dealt with. And you, you touched on that earlier. But where, where did this 
So if somebody said to me, where did this filtering come from? I could say, well, it came from James because he and I have talked about it quite a lot. Do you know where your filter came from? Not really. Um, oh. I think I started, you know, I, I started reading and, and listening to a lot more podcasts and just, I guess so the, the same way I would surround myself with the right people. I started surrounding myself with the right resources before I would have, you know, quite happily spent a couple of hours sat playing on a games console or, and, and I still will, but I could spend hours on a games console or on, you know, down a YouTube rabbit hole or in the car, I would just have radio one on like that. That's been a big one. You know, now in the car, I don't remember the last time I had the radio on it's a podcast or an audio book exclusively. And that the more you hear people talking about different things, the more you subconsciously start putting things into practice. Um, and as I said earlier, and as you've touched on, not everything can be reframed and, and, and looked at differently or, it can, but sometimes it shouldn't be. And, and if you really start to, there's almost different tiers. Like if I, I don't remember the last time now, before, if someone cut me up in traffic, look out. Whereas I don't remember the last time I got mad at something like that. I'd consider that quite a low tier thing. Like that was quite an easy one to tick off because you just ask yourself as it happens, do I know what's going on with their day with that person? I've got no context as to where they're at. They could be rushing to see somebody in hospital or whatever it might be. A, do I know what's going on with their day? B, why does it matter? What, what's, the, what's the impact it's had on me other than six feet of being in this same queue of traffic? And you scale that up. If that, you know, when that comes to family and relationship level, it's not as easy because it's much more emotive. It's much more every day. It's, it's, it's much more significant in a person's life than someone that cut them up in traffic. But the more you do it, the better you get. And if you really start to struggle reframing specific things, actually, you'll probably find there's a correlate between if you're constantly struggling to reframe a challenge with a specific thing in your life, it's probably to do with the specific thing in your life than how you view it. Um, and those, those aren't easy to fix, but it's a starting place. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, guys, this has been an amazing conversation. I've loved talking to you both about it. Um, I'm going to ask you both for a departing thought tip um, or just something that you want to say to people listening to this podcast that you think will add even more value to them than, than, than we've potentially already added with, with the, with the sort of subject of this podcast. Um, okay. I'll go first. Start to build a culture of asking people if they're okay and, and meaning it um, with one or two people in your life that that one little change will probably snowball you'll probably find it's easier to do with other people when you start doing it with people you're more comfortable with a guy i work with does this really cool thing with his with his wife um and when she wants to like blow off some steam and have a bit of a rant he asks the question is this a time for me to sit and listen or is this a time for me to problem solve 
and seen that. It, yeah. I love that. Cool that. Yeah. Like I'm the type of person that will, I'd, I'd naturally default to problem solving, and I feel I, I would feel like I'd have to have an answer, but. Actually, most people, and I'd appreciate if people did it for me as well, is do you want me to just listen and ask some questions and us both know that there's not going to be any output from this conversation other than me asking you some questions and you talking, or do you want me to try and make you feel better? Because most people would go, I don't need any solutions, just ask me some questions. And that in itself will be hugely helpful. So that's, that's my bit. Amazing. Love that. Stu? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Um, one thing James said about burdening others. Um, if you're worried about putting your feelings or thoughts on someone else, spin it around on you. If 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 James came up to me, for example, and said, "Can I have a word? I'm not feeling great." No one's going to say no to that. Like, spin it. Always think, what would you do in that situation? And I think that's quite a, a good lesson for life not just mental health and then secondly um mental health is individual so something that stresses me out might not stress james out might not stress you out ellie but vice versa it's like everyone's individual so don't don't feel bad if something affects you that doesn't affect others um and also ellie what you said if like it goes for everyone if you need a tantrum have one you don't have to always be cool calm and collected like if something annoys you you know go for it like that's that's also a form of therapy is you know blowing off steam screaming shouting punching pillows or having a go at someone who's cut you up james <laughs> <laughs> that's it for me thanks Stu. um guys i can't thank you enough for the conversation today um for your vulnerability for your honesty for your reflections um arguably the most one of the most valuable podcasts we've done so far so um thank you for your time and energy and wise words um and we're gonna leave it there guys thank you for listening um we hope that you've enjoyed it found some value in it um and if you've got any questions or thoughts please let us know and it goes without saying as always if you need to talk to somebody reach out and you can most definitely reach out to one of the three of us um and actually probably anybody in the Velasco community they're an amazing bunch of people and um undoubtedly we're all there for each other so yeah if you're struggling talk to us take care guys and we will speak to you again soon cheers see you later bye guys see you later